Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Acast powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Welcome to the Every Girl Podcast. I'm your host, Josie Santee, wellness editor, reality TV enthusiast, and firm believer in the three drink rule. Join me every Tuesday as I chat with top experts and your favorite influencers and celebrities. You can also expect hilarious conversations with the Every Girl editors where we open up about life events, trending topics, and of course, the latest pop culture drama. So whether I'm talking with a real housewife, eight-figure founder, or a manifestation coach, you will end each episode feeling inspired, understood, and a part of this empowering community. Listen to the show wherever you get your podcasts and tune in every Tuesday for a new episode. Hey, book lovers. My name is Em, and I want to talk about books and cats. Hey, book lovers, welcome back. I hope you all had a wonderful week full of books and furry friends to snuggle. This past weekend, I had two goals, read and run, which are two of my favorite things. So, you know, big plans. (laughs) I really do love running. I didn't used to, but it's kind of morphed over the years. (laughs) I have been considering doing a bonus series for the podcast, maybe called like Runs with Dog or running with Oz or something like that. You know, I have books and cats. I might as well also talk about my two other obsessions, which are running or just kind of fitness in general, and my dog Oscar and dogs in general. (laughs) I don't know. I'm still kind of thinking about it. What do you all think? Anyone else love running and or dogs? Right now, I do document my runs with Oscar over at rerunning underscore M on Instagram. You should check it out. There's some really nice pictures. I live in a gorgeous place. (laughs) I've also finally taken up my yoga practice again, and I actually just started a yoga teacher training, which I'm very excited about. I always feel better when I'm doing yoga, and I used to teach it years ago. I hope to teach it again someday. (laughs) I think my approach now would be quite different, much gentler, and much more about kind of improving day-to-day life and longevity. For now, I'm just going to focus on my own practice and learning all I can from this course. It's uh, really interesting. Right now, I'm kind of in the like very beginnings of yoga, which is pretty cool to read about. <laughs> but yeah, so if I do this bonus thing, I might talk about some of my uh, yoga journey too. I don't know. I'm still mulling it over. That'll probably be more of a summer thing or... Maybe I'll do it for Patreon because I'm working on starting that up as well. But yeah, that's for later on. But it might be coming soon. (laughs) Speaking of bonus content, Storytime with M has returned for season three. 
I am sharing one of my older books called The Last Witch, a chapter a week on Sundays. Okay, so now let's talk about this week's book. One thing that I absolutely love about audiobooks is that it does motivate me to do more running and honestly more cleaning the house, which is a big bonus. (laughs) And I've got another great audiobook for you this week, and it's another memoir. This week, I want to talk about Love, Pamela by Pamela Anderson. So I have to admit that I have definitely had mixed feelings about Pamela Anderson throughout my life. When I was younger and I was sick and I hated myself, I both admired her and hated her because I knew I could never look like her. And at the time, I thought that was the only thing that was important. (laughs) As I get older... I see how much I have allowed my opinions in the past to be formed by other people, um, family members, peers, television, all of it, you know. And that's kind of about all things, but um, definitely applies here. When I was young, I was a mess. I was put on a diet at eight years old, but I was just never going to be real thin. I'm not built that way. (laughs) Pamela Anderson became kind of the ideal because at least she had a chest, you know. This was during the, like, Kate Moss heroin chic era, and it was, ugh. I was never going to be tall, tan, blonde, or super thin. And so, therefore, she was everything I would never be. So I had to hate her and anyone like her. Because, unfortunately, that's how I was raised. To think that other women were competition, and they were out to steal whatever, and especially whoever, I wanted. Which... It's such a bunch of BS, and this kind of thinking has definitely ruined huge chunks of my life. No question. And that makes me angry to think about. (laughs) But I don't feel that way anymore. Anyway, I now adore Pamela Anderson and people like her. Once I learned to stop hating women, I learned to appreciate them. And... I just love a woman who will lean into the media BS and use that power to create change. I also love a supposed dumb blonde who is actually brilliant. I feel this way about Paris Hilton, too. Guess who else has a memoir? (laughs) Anyway, this book was fantastic. Pamela Anderson is a raw, honest writer, and she's so very different than the way she's been portrayed in the media. She's funny, and she's smart. She's a good, attentive mother. Not to mention she's also a determined activist who really works to create actual change. I really love seeing the actual person behind the persona. I think that's why I like memoirs so much. This book is much more about her life as opposed to her work, and it is just fascinating. She's well-read and thoughtful. She uses her fame for good, and helps whenever she can, especially when it comes to helping animals, which I can definitely appreciate. (laughs) And you know, though she chose like really kind of difficult men to love and marry, it's really interesting to hear about their relationships from her point of view. Because, you know, we only have like the paparazzi stories. It's kind of interesting to hear like huge rock stars referred to by their actual names and kind of just viewed lovingly as whole human beings. Like I said, I just, I love these, like, glimpses of the reality behind the the persona. She's an incredibly devoted mom. One thing I really loved in the book is that they lived right near the ocean, and so she would have her sons go surfing before school. 
That way they were, like, focused and ready to learn by the time school started. And honestly, like, that just sounds like an absolute dream. What an amazing childhood. (laughs) And she's always put her children first over absolutely everything else, and it is just so impressive, considering the incredible career that she's had. I do love that she's super connected to water, especially the ocean. I definitely relate to that. And like I said, the idea of starting off every day at the beach, oh, dream come true. Another thing I found kind of wild is that she wanted to be present while her kids were in school and growing up. So she turned down playing Roxy Hart on Broadway in Chicago, if you don't know who Roxy Hart is. That's a devoted mom. Like, especially if you're an actress, wild. But way to go, you know? She did get another chance later on to play Roxy, and that made me really happy. Like, it's kind of like the universe rewarded her for her earlier choices. Overall, this was just a really interesting read, and I enjoyed listening to her read her own words. She has a really nice, relaxed style that sounds like she's just chatting with you. She also includes quotes and her own poetry, and it all just flows together really beautifully. This is a wonderful glimpse at the real Pamela Anderson, and I would definitely recommend that you read or listen to Love Pamela by Pamela Anderson. And now it is time for a quick break. And when I come back, I am going to talk about yet another movie based on a book that I loved as a teenager. Is it a mistake? We'll see. (laughs) And I have a new chapter of my weekly writing project, Secret Keeper. Be right back. Hey, book lovers. Do you like monsters? (laughs) Is that a weird question? I would highly recommend that you check out my short story collection, 3.33 AM, which is six horror stories featuring all kinds of monsters, both human and non. You can find 3.33 AM on Amazon and frappmedia.com. And if you're more into audiobooks, that will be coming out in early summer. Come spend some time with the monsters and me. We meet at 3.33 a.m. Welcome back, book lovers. Okay, so I keep doing this. I keep picking movies of books that really meant a lot to me. Last week was Ender's Game, and I was pleasantly surprised. That movie was excellent. So this book is another that meant a lot to me in my reading and writing journey. It is another young adult dystopian book. And apparently these make for good action sci-fi movies. Today I want to talk about The Giver by Lois Lowry. This book is another one that just kind of changed the way I looked at books. There's something about dystopian books that I find fascinating and you're kind of like, It kind of leaves you open to imagine anything. And I love that, like, kind of blank page feeling, you know, like you can create anything. And this was one of the first books that really, like, opened my eyes to that. I read this one pretty early in my existence. (laughs) I was probably, like, 13. I don't know. But anyway, it meant a lot to me. And I love Lois Lowry. Obviously, she's a fantastic writer. So the general idea of The Giver is that There is a community that lives in sameness. Everything is all gray. There's no emotions, no pain, just a bland, dull, even existence. Now, the main character is named Jonas, and 
at the beginning of the book, he and his friends are being promoted to like adulthood, basically. Like they're graduating and they're being given their role in the community. Jonas, however, is singled out and he is chosen as the new receiver of memory. Nobody in the community really knows what this is. The guy before, who is now the giver, is just some old man that lives on the outskirts of the community and like nobody really knows what he does, but they just know that he's very, very important. He's very powerful. That's all. So Jonas comes to find out that as the receiver of memory, he is expected to hold the memories and therefore all of the pain of all of humanity, like the entire world. There's also all the good stuff, too. It's every feeling, every memory. The people that live in the community do not have these memories. And you come to find out that there's like a boundary put in place that blocks out these memories um, for people that are in the community. So they just have, they don't even know what pain is. They don't understand what killing is, like none of it. So all of this is put upon poor Jonas by the giver. So that's a fairly vague plot, I guess, but that's pretty much what's happening. And I have to say the movie was an excellent recreation of the book. It handled Jonas's strange ability to see beyond really well. At first, it's just kind of flickers of color in the gray, but the more he begins to understand and feel and have memories, the more color returns to the movie, at least when it's from Jonas's perspective. It's really cool. And then, like, there's a few characters that kind of slowly, like, get a little bit of it by the end, and there's a tiny hint of color. I love details like that. This movie is also, like, jam-packed with heavy hitters, actor-wise. They got Jeff Bridges. He's the giver. They got Meryl Streep, who is obviously incredible. And she's kind of like, I guess if there's a bad guy, she's kind of the bad guy in it. And it's just fantastic. There's also Alexander Skarsgård, Katie Holmes, Cameron Monaghan, and even Taylor Swift. She has a small but crucial role, and she did a good job with it. So yeah, this movie was surprisingly good. I would say they definitely took some liberties with the plot, uh, near the end especially. They added some stuff. But overall, it really follows the book pretty well, and the added stuff just kind of gives it a little more... It gives the climax a little more oomph, you know? And honestly, like, it kind of becomes a love letter to humanity, like, even with its huge imperfections... I don't, it's just beautifully done. I really, I enjoyed it. And it's PG-13, so this is another good one if you're having a family night. And right now it's available on Netflix. Yeah, I would definitely give it a watch. And if we're talking about the book, I would 1,000% recommend the book. Fantastic. And another short one, too. Anyway, now it is time for the quote of the week. And like I said, Love, Pamela was just full of quotes and poetry. And she included an E.E. Cummings quote that when I heard it, I was like, that's my quote of the week. I have to share this. It is at the beginning of chapter 15 in the book. And like I said, it's by E.E. Cummings. And the quote is, To be nobody but yourself in a world that is trying its best night and day to make you everybody else. 
is to fight the hardest battle which any human can fight and never stop fighting. I think there's just so much truth in that. (laughs) That's a good one. Okay, so now it is time for a new chapter of my weekly writing project. We are back to calling it Secret Keeper for the moment. (laughs) And this week is chapter 21. Enjoy. Yada was floating on the gently rolling waves of a pale gray ocean. She could hear the surf crashing on the shore. It sounded far off, like she was drifting away. That made her slosh around, and when she opened her eyes, she was tangled in a pile of blankets on a rough stone floor. The room was dimly lit by the remaining embers in the fireplace. With a wave of her hand, Yada brought the fire back to life, and every corner of the room glowed, their shadows suddenly banished by the dancing golden light. Yada untangled her legs and used the heavy stone bed frame to get back on her feet. Her legs were wobbly and didn't immediately hold her weight. She still had sea legs from her dream. The room was small and the heat from the fire was suffocating. Sweat rolled down her neck and dripped from her nose and chin. She wiped it away only to have it reappear instantly along her brow. She needed some air, even if it was just the corridor. She just had to get out of that room. She was gasping for breath as she darted across the room and gripped the handle of the heavy stone door. She pulled with her entire weight, but the door didn't budge. Panic tightened in her chest and threatened to steal her power. Before it could take over, she slapped her palms against the stone and let out a scream that shook the very earth around her. The door trembled under her touch, and cracks sprung forth from under her fingers. The rock crumbled, leaving a gaping hole in the wall. Yada stepped out into the empty hallway. It rose in an endless spiral in one direction and descended in the other. There were no other doors that she could see, though she suspected others resided just on the other side of the stone. She hesitated and listened carefully. The hallway was completely silent, so she dared to take a few tentative steps away from her room. She paused again. Nothing. She continued her climb up the endless spiral. She wasn't sure what she was looking for, but she knew it waited for her somewhere above. The floor was smooth and incredibly slippery. Somewhere along the way, she'd lost her shoes, and the polished stone was cool on her bare feet. She padded quietly up and up. Nothing changed except the paintings on the walls. Finally, she came upon something different, the tiniest glimmer of light. A door left just slightly open. She crept closer and tried to peer through the crack, but the opening was too narrow. She could hear someone in the room, but she couldn't make out their words. Then the door flew open with startling speed, and Yada toppled backward onto the floor. Riff emerged from the doorway and stared in disbelief. Yada? Behind him was a beautiful, willowy woman with waves of long amber tresses. She peered at Yada curiously. A strange little smile played on her thin, pale lips. Riff noticed the girls looking at each other, and he stepped into the hallway and sent the door crashing shut behind him. What are you doing here? he asked with a forced nonchalance. His smile was a little too bright and wide. Yada didn't trust it. I, uh, couldn't sleep. My room was too stuffy. He laughed a little and wrapped his arm around her shoulders. He began moving her back down the spiral hallway and away from the pale beauty. Is she trapped too? Yada asked quietly. 
or am I the only prisoner? Riff faltered. He stumbled and his grip on her shoulder loosened just a bit. Yada tried to pull away, but he snatched her closer and whispered angrily in her ear. I'm trying to help you, Yada, he hissed angrily. You shouldn't be here. I'm trying to keep you safe. He hurried her along, practically dragging her along the slippery floor. They were soon back at the destroyed doorway of her room. Riff stared in disbelief for a moment. This is... His voice trailed away. He shook his head. I knew I shouldn't have let you stay. I should have sent you back to the caves like I was supposed to. He pushed her into the room. She cried out in surprise and stumbled. She fell to her knees and felt the blood begin to flow. Yada remained on her knees and bowed her forehead to the floor. Tears flowed freely from her eyes and joined the blood. She fought to keep her body from shaking, and she refused to look at Riff. Eventually, she heard him sigh and growl with frustration. She heard the popping electric sound of magic, and then his footsteps fading away. When she finally looked, Riff was gone, and the hole in the wall had been patched with bright azure electricity that repelled her magic back at her when she tried to push her way through. Yana made a frustrated animal-like cry and tossed a pillow at the doorway. It burst into flames when it made contact with her new door and vanished in a puff of smoke. Nim woke to the sound of explosions. The pale purple lights hovering along the walls dipped and then grew bright once again. She rose slowly from the cot that lay in one corner of the otherwise empty room. The air in the room was cool and hideously dry. Her body felt parched and shriveled. Every movement was difficult and incredibly painful. Len materialized through the wall across from the bed. First she was just a glimmer on the stone, but soon enough Len stood before her. She rested her hands on her hips and quickly assessed the bare room. Her eyes landed, finally, on Nim, and the strange water-land hybrid grinned. She seemed to glow in the purple light, and her teeth glowed brightest of all. Nim shivered. She was impossibly cold. She couldn't imagine ever being warm again. It sat heavy in her bones and ached. Pain pulsed through her body, and she could actually feel her entire skeleton. It throbbed with pain, as if trying to escape from the meat suit that contained it. She groaned, and Len's grin vanished. She moved quickly to Nim's side and laid a soothing hand on her throbbing forehead. Oh, wow, Len said softly. You're in a bad way. Nim wanted to say something snarky, but the pain was too great. Only the place where Len's hands lay was free from the growing agony, and she knew this woman could take it all away if she chose to. Nim just had to play nice. I bet that hurts a lot. Nim's vision was blurry now with the pain, but she was pretty sure that Len smiled when she spoke. I can help you. You have to hold still. This is going to hurt quite a bit. The hand resting against Nim's forehead grew impossibly heavy. She couldn't resist its weight, and she fell back onto the cot. Still, the pressure grew. The hand began to pass through the outer layers of cells and into her very being. Nim tried to scream, but she couldn't. Len's touch burned and simultaneously buzzed with electricity. Nim could feel her cells individually jolted and trembling. She felt no pain now. It had first grown almost unbearable, but then she went numb. 
She was being shaken apart, molecule by molecule. Len snatched back their hand and Nim gasped at the sudden removal. She felt like she was falling through herself, into the darkness that lived within her and in every other child of death. It swallowed her up, and she let it. A panel in the rough stone wall slid open with some difficulty. Len closed Nim's eyes quickly and turned to face their visitor. As soon as the opening was wide enough, Riff slipped through and unfolded his impressive height before her. He still wore all gold, which Len had teased him for when they were younger. Still, Len had to admit that the look suited him now. It gave him a regal appearance, appropriate for the future ruler of the Verdant Valley. What happened? Len asked quickly. They cast a quick glance at Nim, but the beauty appeared to be sleeping. What were those explosions? Riff ran a hand over his face. Looking closer, Len could see the new lines and creases. He sighed heavily and turned his golden eyes to Len. The whites were bloodshot, and dark patches under his eyes marred his flawless tan. Len couldn't help but feel a twinge of satisfaction. There's been a bit more trouble than expected bringing a true lifer into the in-between. Big surprise there. I tried to tell them that it would cause problems, but you know how they are when they get a hold of an idea. Len nodded. What's she like? Extraordinary, he said after a slight pause. Her powers are stronger than even she is aware. We need to keep it that way. Keep her in the dark for as long as possible. How can she not know? Len asked in disbelief. Riff ignored the question. We've got another problem, too. Bigger than the lifer. Len motioned to Nim's motionless form. Maybe we should discuss it outside, they said quietly. They moved toward the partially open doorway, but Riff blocked their way. You know as well as I that she is not sleeping. The sooner you accept it, the better it will be for all of us. You've made your choice. Len felt incredibly uncomfortable, as if their skin was trying to escape their body. But they remained where they were. It was best not to show weakness around Riff. It was best to keep his respect. If the lifer can enter the in-between, why couldn't they? It should be as comfortable as home to them. They have avoided this place for far too long, each time jumping back into life without a pause, never resting, never asking for help. They may be the children of death, but there is nothing they fear more. This is the last place they want to be. But now they will remain. Len tried not to sound skeptical, but they couldn't help it. Riff was beginning to look annoyed. He was not used to being challenged. Only Len would dare to do so and Riff allowed it. They had been raised together, and Len was his only true friend. He trusted no one else. It had to be done in a certain way. It was detailed in the book. Apparently, they will be unable to leave the in-between. Forever. Riff nodded, but he was distracted, already working out the next problem. As far as he was concerned, this phase was complete. The remaining children of death would soon have an unexpected family reunion, and then things were going to get interesting. He left the room and Len followed. They made sure to seal the door, though the occupant wasn't going anywhere anytime soon. Then they hurried up the spiraling hallway to catch up with Riff. And that is the end of Chapter 21, Book Lovers. I hope you're enjoying Secret Keeper. 
Thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, tell a friend. Maybe they want some books and cats in their life. Maybe some running and dogs. Who knows? (laughs) And if you haven't yet, give a like, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts or YouTube or wherever you can. Every single bit of it helps and is so, so appreciated. Make sure to check out Storytime with M this Sunday. I am on chapter two of my book, The Last Witch, and I will be bringing you a chapter every week until the book is done. (laughs) And if you want to read any of my other books or plays or stories, they can all be found at frappmedia.com and booksandcatspod.com. Thank you all so much for listening. I hope you have a beautiful week. Snuggle your furry friends, read a good book, take some time for yourself, and take care of yourself. Until next time, keep reading. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Welcome to the Every Girl Podcast. I'm your host, Josie Santee, wellness editor, reality TV enthusiast, and firm believer in the three drink rule. Join me every Tuesday as I chat with top experts and your favorite influencers and celebrities. You can also expect hilarious conversations with the Every Girl editors where we open up about life events, trending topics, and of course, the latest pop culture drama. So whether I'm talking with a real housewife, eight-figure founder, or a manifestation coach, you will end each episode feeling inspired, understood, and a part of this empowering community. Listen to the show wherever you get your podcasts and tune in every Tuesday for a new episode.